time for the November 5th, 2021 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, an interpretive guide to the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from the campus of the University of California at Irvine at KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always, the only source who doesn't fake the news, Mahler, <laughs> the fake news dog. Mahler uh, told me this last yeah. uh, couple of days ago. Yeah. He said he never fakes it. He never fakes it? No. no he uh, never does. He's real. Yeah, he's, he's real. A real. Yeah. 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 Good, yeah. Good for you. But today, we'll be talking about having 500 teeth. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. A warning to deer hunters. We'll be talking about that. Okay. A warning to deer hunters. All right. Yeah. I'm looking forward. The cancer map. <laughs> That's not funny, Mahler. No, Mahler, really? Cancer map. Please be appropriate. Uh, the non-delegation doctrine. Okay. Smartmatic, open carry, meta, and more. You that, hear about that Mark Zuckerberg guy? That's, He's got yeah. his own avatar, and it looks like him. Wow. Is your, does your avatar need to look like you? I guess if you're Mark Zuckerberg, I don't. I mean, I doesn't, why would you want to look like him? Yeah, I why, mean, why if you had an avatar yeah. and you could make it look like something yeah. else, anybody? Yeah. Why would even, you know, uh, who? Yeah. You know? uh, uh, I mean, if I had an avatar, I wanted it to look like myself. Yeah. But, I mean, why would even the most handsome person, yeah. beautiful-faced person in the world want an avatar that looked like themselves? Wouldn't they? Unless they're narcissistic. narcissistic. Yes. Well, I think there is something to A that. narcissist. Yes. I think there is something to that. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to just kind of stretch out and be someone else for a while? Can you imagine Donald Trump having an avatar that didn't look like himself? No. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, it would look like him. Yes. I'd want one that looked like Richard Ayoade myself, but okay. that's something else again. <laughs> that's a personal choice. Yeah. Uh, from the Houston Chronicle, the Astros. Mm. I'm going to mention the Astros. You know, they lost the World Series. Yeah, I heard yeah. that. <laughs> oh, darn it. Yeah, uh, shoot. The Astros' Kendall Graveman who uh, may have taken the final at-bat by a traditional Major League pitcher. Yes. Yeah. Graveman, whose last name is Digger. Get it? <laughs> Digger Graveman. And get this. He struck out in the top of the ninth in Game 5 on Halloween night. Yes. Grave Digger Graveman. <laughs> Halloween night. Yes. And what it, what is he burying that you're talking about. Well, uh, baseball's next collective bargaining agreement is still being negotiated, and one major change being considered is the adoption of a universal designated hitter. Ooh. Which means if that happens, Graveman will be the last pitcher in the lineup to take an at-bat in Major League Baseball. I mean, unless... I guess Otani, you could consider, they, if they put him yeah. in the pitcher's spot, the old tradition, yeah, he would be batting, but... That's the that's yeah. the uh, what do they call that the uh, yeah he's the the only one he's an exception to the rule yeah. the uh, yeah he's no. a pitcher who he, can bat who can bat and, and I don't know what they call that they call it a pitcher who can bat the pitcher who can bat if they're very rare you know, I, I just going back to my time watching baseball I think the best pitcher hitter that I can remember uh -huh. was a Dodger. Don Drysdale, I think, might have been yeah. the best yeah. pitcher. Well, hitter. what about Zach Greinke? Oh, okay, yes. Zach, yeah. Well, yes. And he's with Houston. Yeah. That was the one part when I watched the World Series where I looked at, at Houston. I felt 
I, I wanted Zach Grinke to have a moment, and he did have a moment. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. It, I think it. it I, no, I just wanted to say that um, that having uh, the traditional baseball approach, which is you the field the team that you field should go to the plate. Yeah. I think that should stay in place. I really don't think, other than extending the career of certain baseball players over the last 20 or 30 years that it's been in the American League, I really don't think it's added anything else to the game of baseball. Yeah. It's kind of that, that uh, there's a flow to the game when there's a spot in the uh, lineup that you don't expect someone to hit. So they have to use a different strategy if there's a pitcher coming up and it brings all the, you know, the uh, strategies into play when you know that the pitcher is going to be next. Do you walk the batter before him? How do you or do do you uh, pitch the, you know, hope hope they take the pitcher out of the game? Right. Uh, Baseball is a simple game. You hit the ball. You pitch the ball, you catch the ball. It's very simple. However, within that very limited it's time, I, it is there's so much strategy involved. Yeah. You know, every play, there's this is a cliche to say it, but within every play, within every pitch, almost anything is possible in baseball. And you're limiting the possibilities by by getting rid of by making the DH universal in baseball. What do you think, Molly? You got anything? Okay, I guess. He, he could give a crap about baseball. <laughs> really Which, most of our listeners could give a crap about I know, baseball. Because they want to get to the big stuff. Well, they right want to, yeah. The stuff they want to hear about insects. And deers and yeah. teeth. Yeah. 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 From the journal Insects. Okay. I didn't know there was a journal called Insects I, until this week. Yeah. For the first time, large populations of monarch butterflies have been detected breeding on the San Francisco Bay Peninsula in urban areas. Mm. During last winter's heat wave, they stopped, mated, and laid eggs in the gardens of Mountain View's Google Campus and Palo Alto neighborhoods. Mm. Yeah, abandoning their traditional trek to the coast to hibernate. So they were coming toward the coast, going down the coast, and they thought, well, wait, hmm. this is pretty nice right here yeah. in Palo Alto. It suggests that as environmental conditions change, butterflies can change too. They're adaptable. Yeah. Good. As the globe warms, there's no reason why this scenario should not become the new normal for Western North American monarchs, said entomologist David James of Washington State University, who published the findings. Monarchs are very adaptable creatures, changing their physiology, behavior, and ecology in suit conditions. I don't know what a suit condition is. Maybe they're wearing suits. (laughs) Maybe two suit conditions. I don't know. Yeah, two suit conditions. Oh, there we go. Two suit conditions. Thank you. There was a two in there. Ecology, two suit conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard that, you know, suit as as a you know verb used lately. Yeah. Well, they're very decorative, and they, yeah. I imagine they like to dress up. I yeah. mean, you know, who wouldn't? We and do they're wearing like that. suits. Yeah, wearing suits. This <laughs> this fall's rebound of butterfly populations, with numbers up significantly over last year's dismal counts, may be credited in part to last year's urban breeding. What they're saying is they came up there, they settled in Palo Alto, mm-hmm. and now you know they're coming down the coast to. Uh, uh, Monarch Bay and all that. 
They're going down to, uh, what do I want to say, San Luis Obispo area okay. there on the coast. Yeah. And there are many more than there was last year. They, they're thinking that that might be because of Palo Alto's experience. They're getting busy, and yeah. that's good. While the numbers are still small in comparison to historic reports, so far about 10,000 hibernating butterflies have been counted on the coast, a five-fold increase over last year's Thanksgiving count with more on the way. You know, I mean, again, the yeah. fact that they're adaptable, the fact that they seem to be adaptable, we'll, we'll find out over the course of a few years, yeah. but does speak to an intelligence. Or something. Well, yeah, a collective intelligence, a collective sense of what they need to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't well, they don't watch a lot of TV. I think it has something to do <laughs> it has with it. has a lot to do with it, yeah. From National Geographic. You know that magazine. I do. I think Rupert Murdoch owns it now. Oh no! Yeah, really. Yeah. Is that Which why is... I saw? That's why I saw Sean Hannity on the cover. I yeah. guess that's yeah. probably should have been a tip off. That's not true. It's not true. Mike's that, making that I, up. I, I, yeah. 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 But I think that uh, uh, Rupert does own National Gra Geographic. I'm not now. terribly he just surprised. Buys up that. everything. Mm -hmm. New research reveals that the Pacific lincod gains and loses an average of 20 teeth every day. Now, the lincod is a fish, in case you're wondering. Okay. Not, it's not like a mouse. But it loses 20 teeth every day. 20 teeth That's... every day. And then he grows it back. You know, it's not like he's losing them. He's right. growing teeth back. The lincod is an ill-tempered sport fish about four feet long in adulthood, an ambush predator that frequently indulges in cannibalism. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is a fish. Wow. It has 500-plus teeth arranged haphazardly on two sets of highly mobile jaws. It's one of those that can whip his jaw way open to swallow your head. Where can I meet a Pacific Langhorn, you ask? I am. You're asking that right I'm now. I want to know. Or a Ling Lingcod fish. I'm not getting into a swimming pool with one of them, but go ahead. A Pacific Lingcod Offshore Laguna Beach, for example. Is that right? I, I think they, they're, they're out in the yeah. Pacific a ways. Okay. But, okay. you know, you can go anywhere along here, off the North American West Coast from Alaska to Baja, California, yeah. you can see one of these 500-teeth fish yeah. floating along, ready to chomp on something. Cause, and they're angry about something, these fish are, it wow. seems. Well, okay. Wow. Or maybe that's just their natural temperament. Well, if I was losing 20 teeth a day, I'd be pretty pissed off, you to think? be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. They got 500, though. I know. Well, yes. Yeah. yeah. Besides uh, that, it's economically important to fishers in part, uh, these fish are. Yeah. So it's, it's good to know. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of this fish. they're great in tacos. Oh, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my, yeah, well, <laughs> we love our tacos. Here. He loves tacos. Cod, <laughs> you know, but if you ever find a tooth in your taco, yeah, it's a lincod. It's a lincod. Yeah. I'll go. Oh, yeah. I don't know that for a fact, <laughs> but, but it's a good guess. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's nature's a crazy place, isn't it? From the scientist. <clears throat> yes. Because Mike and I, as you know, are scientists. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe in the scientific method. I guess that makes me a scientist. I am a follower of science, for yeah. sure. Yes. But I mean, if I want to find out about something, I usually test it. I have the controlled mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. where I test it, like right in my backyard. Yeah. And, right. I mean, and we, I, I, yeah. I go up for peer review. I bring it in. I talk yeah. to you about yeah. it. White rhino, strawberry fields. Yeah. White rhino, strawberry fields. There's a scientific method to determining 
Which is best. Which is best. Yeah, I think, yeah. I'm going with LA Confidential myself. Well, LA but, Confidential. Yeah. But it's all part of the scientific method. That's A new your, study of hundreds of white-tailed deer infected with the coronavirus in Iowa found that the deer are probably contracting COVID-19 from humans and then rapidly spreading it among themselves. Up to 80% of deer sampled from April 2020 to January 2021 in Iowa were infected, the study indicated. That's a lot. Yeah. Scientists said the findings pose worrisome implications for the spread of the coronavirus, although they couldn't say how the deer might have contracted the virus from humans. There's no evidence that deer have passed the virus back to humans. Yeah, that's a big deal. Intraspecies yeah. uh, infections are a big deal. The avian <laughs> yeah. flu, right? That's how well, yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A few million Americans died during the uh, 1919 outbreak of Spanish flu, which was carried by birds into the yeah. human population. It wiped out a lot of people. Yeah. Widespread infection among North America's most ubiquitous game species, that would be the white-tailed deer, could make eradicating COVID-19 even more difficult, Jesus. especially if the deer became a reservoir for mutations that eventually spilled back to humans. You know, they, this is, this they, they, they have the virus and it's bouncing back and forth in them and it's turning into the Delta type and whatever they whatever would have else, next, exactly. the deer type. That was what made the avian flu such a very difficult uh, yeah. virus to overcome was because it was jumping back and forth between humans and birds and call this Bambi's revenge That's, Bambi I have the Bambi variant yeah you have the Bambi variant exactly yeah. it doesn't sound so bad but well yeah, yeah but until you get <laughs> you it. it yeah you know you don't wildlife officials in Iowa found the results of the study so disturbing that they are alerting deer hunters and others who handle deer to take precautions to avoid transmission yeah so you and the deer wear a mask, you know, <laughs> six feet of separation. If you're out there hunting deer, mm -hmm. you can't go like two feet away and shoot them. No, 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 you got to be. You, and you got to put a mask on the deer, too, if you can. Stop shooting deer. Yeah. Just leave them alone. Let them go wherever they want to go. Stop it. Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> if this news makes you wary, may I recommend a donation to KUCI? To ease your fears, just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free forms, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. <laughs> From ProPublica. There's a big report here ProPublica came out with. I don't know if you saw it, but using advanced data processing software and a modeling tool developed by the Environmental Protection Agency, the uh, Federal Environmental Protection Agency, the online journal ProPublica mapped the spread of cancer-causing chemicals from thousands of sources of hazardous air pollution across the country between 2014 and 2018. The result is an ugly view of how toxic air spews out of industrial facilities and spreads into nearby neighborhoods. The analysis found that ethylene oxide is the biggest contributor to excess industrial cancer risk from pollutants nationwide. Corporations across the United States, but especially in Texas and Louisiana, yes. 
manufacture the colorless, odorless gas, which lingers in the air for months and is highly mutagenic, meaning it can alter DNA, mutates DNA, meaning cancer usually. In all, ProPublica identified more than a thousand hotspots of cancer-causing air. They are not equally distributed across the country. A quarter of the 20 hotspots with the highest levels of excess risk are in Texas, and almost all of them are in southern states known for having weaker environmental regulations. Census tracts where the majority of residents are people of color experience about 40% more cancer-causing industrial air pollution on average than tracts where the residents are mostly white. In predominantly black census tracts, the estimated cancer risk from toxic air pollution is more than double that of majority white tracts. Who causes that cancer, you might ask? I think I know. Dow Chemical is the single biggest contributor to hotspots of toxic air pollution in the nation. And there are others, but Dow is number one for this. It's so depressing. You yeah. know what's what's interesting about this whole report? And it's something I think we intuitively have known for a long time. I don't think it takes a scientific study to determine that cancer-causing agents that are coming out of these factories, these these refineries yeah. are causing cancer. What is so distressing, and it seems always, to, almost always to be the case, is this is looks like established science. And yet you won't hear one thing about this from Congress, from a senator, a, a representative from the House, from the House of Representatives, saying we need to reg we need to do something. Here is the evidence. Here is what we know, and here's what we need to do. You won't hear any of that. And I hear that all, I see ProPublica stories all the time that are just mind-bogglingly horrible. And yet there's absolutely no legislative agenda attached to any of this. Well, especially in states like Texas and Louisiana yeah, where yeah. people would actually benefit from it. Yeah. And uh, it's especially discouraging because people from Texas, Louisiana, Louisiana would be talking about their rights yeah. and about nobody's going to tell me what to do. I don't need any regulations. Well, the regulations are trying to save you from things. They're not they're not there because we we want to prevent you from doing anything. We're there because we want you to be able to do things because we don't want you to be sick. We don't want your parents dying of cancer. Right. We don't want you dying of cancer. Right. And the reason this is important is government has to in, have a role in this. You and your neighbors can band together and go down to the headquarters of Dow Chemical and you'll be escorted off the grounds by their security forces and nothing will happen. If a congressman and a senator write bills to regulate this, there's an opportunity for it to happen, to be regulated so you can save the lives of yourself and your children. It is so frustrating to hear these stories, but nonetheless, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Speaking of the EPA, from the Washington Post, the Supreme Court agreed to hear a challenge to the Environmental Protection Agency's authority to regulate power plant emissions in a case that legal scholars say could undermine Congress's constitutional authority to delegate power, delegate power to federal agencies. This is just big business trying to essentially impose its will. Well, yeah, this is this just is trying to strip Congress of power. Yes. There's an argument that federal regulation delegated by Congress, not just of the EPA, but in President Biden's vaccine mandate as well, is unconstitutional 
It's unconstitutional for Congress to delegate power, is what they're saying. Uh, it's an arcane legal document called the Non-Delegation Doctrine. This theory holds that Congress cannot delegate broad policy-making authority to government agencies. If the Supreme Court were to invalidate either the EPA's authority or the vaccine mandate under the Non-Delegation Doctrine, it might unravel nearly every major law Congress has passed since World War II. Yeah. Nearly every, every one of these laws involves delegating authority to U.S. agencies. Some, several members of the Supreme Court, led by Justice Neil, why am I here, Gorsuch, have signaled that they're open to striking down laws based on this doctrine. In fact, the court's majority mentioned concerns about delegation when it struck down the Center for Disease Control's eviction moratorium. Their next opportunity to use it might come with the EPA power plant emissions case or when opponents challenge the Biden administration's vaccine mandate after regulations are issued. Yeah. Or they could use it when, as expected, they hear the latest challenge to the Affordable Care Act. Right. Say Congress can't delegate anything. Affordable so, Care Act, no good. So this is the Federalist Society. This is Leo Leonard yeah. and the Federalist Society trying to essentially... Uh, give big business a free reign, an opportunity to do whatever they want at a time when Congress needs to reassert itself in terms of its regulatory authority, yeah. especially after the Trump administration, especially after so many other things. And the, the, the sad thing about this, if the Supreme Court rules the wrong way on this, is most people will throw their hands up and say, so what? I don't, it doesn't, it's, oh, it's, it's huge. It's, it's huge I know it. No, these, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's es esoteric enough for people to not, un I think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about this. But maybe they will realize that this is a huge development if they were to lose their ability to do this. I don't know. I don't know. More on the Supreme Court from Esquire. At least one Supreme Court conservative has already made up his mind on a crucial gun case in the Rifle and Pistol Association uh, versus... Bruin, Bruin, uh, that's the Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. The Rifle and Pistol Association, an NRA affiliate, has gone to bat for two New York State residents who applied for concealed carry permits and were denied. New York's what's called a May issue state in that it is at local authorities' discretion in New York City. It's up to the NYPD whether someone who carries a con uh, who applies to carry a concealed handgun can get a license to do so. It's been this way since 1911 when following a rash of high-profile gun crimes, including an assassination attempt against New York's then-mayor, ushered the Sullivan Act through the state legislature, which restricted private handgun ownership in the state. This is opposed to shell issue, shall issue states, where pretty much anyone who passes a background check and maybe does some training can get a license to carry. In some states, you don't even need a permit, but not New York, and particularly New York City, where you need to demonstrate some uh, extraordinary need to carry a gun around, like you've been threatened by someone or you're a high-profile figure under threat. Otherwise, it's a felony to carry. The open carry. If the Supreme Court decides New York's law is unconstitutional, uncon it could lead to tens of th uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of people carrying guns around in the street in New York City uh, or 
other jurisdictions like Los Angeles that have taken a similar approach to gun control. So you'd have conceivably everybody carrying. Anyway, uh, Alito, you know, Samuel Alito, questioned New York's Solicitor General on the issue, right, the Supreme Court, and in the process revealed that at least on his vote, he wants us all strapped. That's what Alito wants. In his questioning, Alito asked how prohibiting anyone who wants to conceal carry a gun in the subway is consistent with the core right of self-defense, which is protected by the Second Amendment. Amendment. But there's, there's no federal law that establishes that right. He's already jumping ahead. He's presuming. That's what this case is about. It's about deciding whether there is a right, and yet he's jumping ahead assuming there is a right. He's arguing this case backward. So Alito's reached his conclusion, and if the majority on the court rules his way, which isn't that far-fetched of a possibility, what will you be packing, Mike? Please. That's what I want to know. Because it could come here to California, anybody. Well, we, if it passes the Supreme Court, if they make it so yeah. that if I just walk into... KUCI. KUCI. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I Can mean, we where pack, would I get the... I get, university? But I have to get the, the permit from somebody. Now I you do. It, okay. But... But if but if this passes, I don't even need, I can just buy a gun and walk yeah. around with it. Yeah. Oh my God! You know, and by the way, I have a friend who's a a legal person who said a legal a person. A le <laughs> I call a lawyer. Yeah, I call a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Some places call him a lawyer. I'm a legal person. Yeah, I like the legal. Um, and me. and he he was making That's the case why. that Alito is the is the the real deal when it comes to all of these horrible decisions about yeah. so many things that he is the one rat in the wood pile in terms of the just he'll just be the guy that you can depend on to do the wrong thing yeah. uh... you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine California visit us at Facebook at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIradio.tumblr.com on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM and on the web at KUCI.org So what do you think about Virginia's governor election? Do you have any thoughts uh, on that one? Uh, yeah, just real quick. Okay. Uh, and that is, you know, you can look at the history of elections in Virginia and they happen the one year after the president's election. This has been a tradition. I don't know why, but it is. And in almost every election, going back to World War II, whoever's in the White House, their party loses the race for governor in Virginia yeah. and usually loses pretty badly. Yeah. So Terry McAuliffe lost. He lost a by Democrat. two points. He had yeah. Two points. So it wasn't a horrible it, defeat. So he, uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of hue and cry, a lot of, you know, ringing, gnashing of teeth yeah. and, you know, crying. And Democrats all in disarray. Disarray. This yeah. is it. The, the apocalypse is happening. Yeah. And it's not good because I do believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe that the, the really bad news in all of this is that the Democrats lost the, the, the legislative body yeah. in Virginia. Yeah. That's the part that matters. So it isn't good. And I do think that some of it, I'm going to go along with the conventional wisdom on this, and that is the fact that the Democrats have not passed this legislation that's been sitting there for months, the Build Back Better, this infrastructure bill. I think it hurt them, hurt them enough. Well, it, the mansion hurt them and cinema hurt them. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and they were carrying water for the Republicans. Yeah, really. Yeah, so this is, and by the way, the, the, the most liberal 
candidates in the Virginia races for their house or whatever they call it won. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of liberal candidates won on this Tuesday. Right. Well, all that, around the country, yeah. there were a number of not too many, but there were a number of elections over all around the country. The most liberal candidates did better yeah. than the so-called moderates. By the way, I heard James Carville last night uh-huh. ranting and raving about how insane the, the Democrats are. and They're trying to you know lose the election by virtue of all of these liberal things that they're trying to pass in the in the House and Senate. Like, well, like allowing people to vote? Allowing people to vote. Yeah, that's so liberal. Hoping that we don't have the smoldering ash of an environment yeah. 20 years from now. I've always thought he was reptilian to begin with. I mean, it's an easy thing to say he's kind of that look. But I mean, I don't, I've always thought he was, I always thought he was completely overhyped in terms of his acumen as a political. Um, well, we ran pundit. into him down in Los Angeles yeah. many years ago. Yeah, we yeah. did. He's yeah. a pile of crap. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, you may have noticed something else about the, the Virginia election, too. There's been zero concerns raised about voter fraud. Yes. Yeah. That's what I said. How did that happen? I was going to say. Why, why is it when Republicans are elected, no, there's uh, no fraud? I know. I was going to no. say the best thing the Democrats could do was walk out and say, we lost fair and square. The election, we're happy. We we're, we feel like there was integrity in the electoral okay. process. Uh-huh. We embrace the, the results of an election. Yeah. How about you guys? Yeah. Can you say moving forward you will? Just put them on the spot. Yeah. You know, that's the best thing they could do out of this. From Ars Technica. The legal battle against disinformation from right-wing media outlets is expanding. Smartmatic, an election technology firm that became a target of pro-Trump conspiracy theories about the 2020 presidential race, sued Newsmax and One America News Network for defamation, demanding that the conservative cable networks face jury trials for spreading lies about their company. Good. Yeah. The new lawsuits add a growing buffet of litigation by Smartmatic and other election technology provider and another election technology provider, Dominion, which right-wing idiots accused of tampering with votes. Which has been, I just, how this is even a thing anymore just amazes me after a year after the election. In February, Smartmatic sued Rupert Murdoch's Fox Corporation and several Fox anchors on similar grounds, as well as two of Mr. Trump's lawyers, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. Dominion has sued Fox, Newsmax, One America News, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, and Mike Lindell, the chief executive of MyPillow. How does how do these would, people even count in elections is what I, I can never understand. Lindell but, was on Newsmax about yeah. two months ago talking about this. And this is how bad how much they fear this particular lawsuit. The host of some lunatic, crazy right wing um, program on Newsmax or America One cut him off. He started talking oh, yeah, about Dominion and, oh, my God, you know, it's a uh, Hugo Chavez, you know, who from the grave is yeah. affecting our elections. And the guy said, ah, thank you very much, Mike Lindell. Yeah. We'll see you next time. They don't want to say anything no, anymore because no. they know that this they, lawsuit's coming. They down. came back on after that and said, hey, that wasn't us. Yeah. Don't don't blame us for that. Yeah, it's but great. Yeah. You're the people who carried 
carried the news during the election. Oh, it's, yeah, they wanted all, yeah. Smartmatic and Dominion were both accused by pro-Trump forces, as we know, without evidence of rigging vote tallies in key states to swing the election to Biden, part of a large-scale effort by Trump's allies to cast doubt on the 2020 results. Those conspiracy theories have grown even more idiotic since Biden run won. I can't, I can't, that's what surprises me. That they're still going at it, and they're leading Republican officials. It's because of Trump. Yeah. This is all because of Trump. It's all because of this insane, demented man who who's who's insane. I mean, he is. He's nuts. I don't. You can't watch him anymore and not think that this guy's lost his mind. That, that's the only reason that this is still happening. He he refuses this this pathological narcissism refuses to believe that he lost the election. Yeah. So he keeps saying it, and they keep saying it too. For Newsmax and One America News, the stakes may be existential. Unlike Fox, which is hugely profitable, Newsmax and One America News are cheap. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you know? Did you know AT and T is AT and T? I keep getting these things from Move On. AT and T is the reason that America One is on the air. Essentially, they're backing it. Yeah. They're putting their financial money into whatever into it yeah you know and not to go on about capitalism because i love a, a good capitalism but this isn't capitalism no. anymore i mean it's it's this it's, is manipulation yeah. capitalism this is this is an agenda driven capitalism right now yeah. we're living through and it's a greed capitalism yeah where you know the only the bottom line is simply to make money it's yeah. not to do anything helpful to the country it's just whoever has the most toys at the end wins, which is there, this you know, is a market, Forbes this, saying from the 1980s, and that's just taken hold. Yeah, you're right. This is market share capitalism. They figured out that the American public, they've divided them reds, blues, purples, and said, how can we break off market share? They don't really... Content isn't important anymore. It's reinforcing what you believe. And yeah. if you can make that market share a little bit bigger... Advertisers are attracted. This is, a, a, like I said, an agenda-driven capitalism. <sighs> From the times of India, vax, the word vax, you know vax? I know vax. Vax has been declared the word of the year <laughs> by the Oxford Dictionary. Good for them. This would include words like double-vaxed, mm -hmm. unvaxed, mm -hmm. anti-vaxxer, vaxy. <laughs> That'd be a good name, don't you think? Yeah. Maybe for your dog. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Vax. Yeah. Hey, Vax. Vax. Hey, Vaxi. Hey. Come here, Vaxi. Come on. Yeah. No, no. I don't think, yeah. He Good like boy. Vaxi. You like it? I, I think he likes it more than he likes <laughs> my, my nickname for him. Uh-oh. Stinky. Oh. Yeah. Vaxi. There you go. Yeah. Good boy. There we go. Good boy. Vaxathon. <laughs> You ever been to a vaxathon? I have not been. Yeah, to a I was at a vaxathon. Vaxication. <laughs> so that's where, if you're vaccinated, you can go to a, a resort. Or you just stay at home. Or you know, you're, yeah, you're yeah, taking yeah. your vaxication. Vaccinista. <laughs> that's somebody who wants you to take a, a vaccine, I guess, <laughs> okay. which isn't a bad thing. No, I'm kind of a vaccinista. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could, yeah. But not vaxectomy. <laughs> that's not. No. That's not one of the vaccines. No, but no, that's. Vax right. is the. Uh, <laughs> The word of the year, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. From Publishers Weekly, 
The U.S. Department of Justice has sued to block Penguin Random House parent company Bertelman's pro proposed acquisition of Viacom CBS's subsidiary, Simon & Schuster. Wow, that's a long ways to go. I that. know. Well, you have to go all the parent company, yeah, this yeah, and right, that, right, and right, this. Right. Right. And that's what I don't like. We just talked about capitalism. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's great. Simon Schuster, Penguin Random House. Okay, Penguin should be parent, yeah. separate from Random House, yeah, sure. but, but it's Bertelman's. Penguin Random House, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like all these acquisitions yeah. just turned it into this monopolistic mess. Yeah. Anyway, they uh, the Justice Department sued this, tried to block this merger, arguing that it would result in substantial harm to authors. The Department of Justice says the proposed acquisition would enable Penguin Random House, which is already the largest book publisher in the world, to exert outsized influence over which books are published in the United States and how much authors are paid for their work. Post-merger, the two largest publishers would collectively control more than two-thirds of this market. One publisher, two-thirds of the market, leaving hundreds of authors with fewer alternatives and less leverage. Acting Assistant Attorney General Richard A. Powers of the Justice Department's Antitrust Division said that the lawsuit will prevent further consolidation of an industry that has a history of collusion. Do we still have an, an anti-monopoly part of the judicial, of the uh, Department of Justice? Does I it even so. exist? Yeah. I mean, because when was the last time you heard about a, a case brought against... Well, Anybody. right now, yeah, but you yeah. would think. Yeah. It's just getting worse and worse yeah. and worse and worse. Yeah. <sighs> From City Watch, as Facebook faces ridicule for changing its corporate name to Meta, you heard about that, right? Yes. The corporate name. Yes. Meta. That means death, I think, in Greek, which isn't really a, a good, <laughs> good, good look, but... Greek economist and progressive international co-founder Yanis Varoufakis called out Facebook for stealing the name of a global anti-capitalistic think tank, anti-capitalist think tank, okay. Meta. Meta is yeah. the name of this think tank. Yeah. Hands off Meta, our center for post-capitalist civilization, Mr. Zuckerberg, said Yanis. Uh, Tweet, he tweeted, and he, he tweeted this, so that's important. The former Greek finance minister who is on the think tank of Meta's advisory board. That's, he was a big deal a few years ago, wasn't yeah, he? The guy, well, that, well in yeah. Greece over there when, yeah, they, when, when, when he was the leading the country for yeah. a while. Yeah, 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 he was. Yeah, and then things went south for him, but still, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, you and your minions wouldn't recognize civilization even if it hits you with a barge pole. <laughs> I guess they have a lot of barge poles over there in Greece. <laughs> and yeah, I haven't seen a barge pole for a long time. I don't think that's what it is you're talking about. I think it's a euphemism for something else. Hit him with a barge pole? Mm -hmm. A euphemism. Would you have a barge pole? <laughs> I don't know. The Greeks are very proud of their barge poles. Huh. I, yeah, I've heard. How about you, Mo? You got a barge pole? <laughs> yeah. <They're> very, <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Along with Varoufakis, <laughs> Varoufakis, other advisory board members include scholar Noam Chomsky, Ooh. musician Brian Eno, Ooh. Filmmaker Ken Loach. Oh, nice. Economist James K. Galbraith. And philosopher Slava Zizek. Yeah, uh, one of my you, favorite you just crazy just like half a dozen of my favorite people in the yeah. whole world right there. Yeah. I wish he'd come back to KUCI. Anybody over at the critical, uh, whatever, thinking department, humanities. Yeah. Um, bring it, bring department, it back. Bring yeah. back yeah. Slava Zizek. Yes. 
I want to watch him wipe his nose again. <laughs> the Pervert's Guide to Film. Yeah. It's a very... Well, more to Slavo. I you. know, yeah. but I, that's how I know him. That's yeah. how I got him. And that. he said some really stupid things, too. I yeah, like to yeah. talk to him about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, about, you know, there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. 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 I'll show him my barge pole if he comes back over <laughs> here. No kidding. Yeah. From the Washington Post. <laughs> On a rainy day in Dallas, Texas at the site overlooking where President John F. Kennedy was assassinated uh, nearly six decades ago. Scores of QAnon believers outfitted with Trump Kennedy 2024 shirts, flags, and fanny packs converged. They were there to see the president's son, John F. Kennedy Jr., who has been dead for 20 years. They were there to see him appear at Daly Plaza, rolling away a stone from the grassy knoll and emerging be to become Donald Trump's vice president as Trump is miraculously reinstated. That's what these people were there for. But just for what it's worth, Kennedy Jr. died after crashing his six-seater plane in the Atlantic off Martha's Vineyard in 1999. Just imagine this. Imagine yeah. a, a collection of people standing around who actually believe this this is going to happen who are actually there well yeah because they think he's going to appear in, and, in some way it's it's a reflection of the republican party yeah. at large yeah uh, i'm running if i'm running uh, the democratic messaging yeah. moving forward i run that video i run 10 minutes of that video and say this is the future of the country if yeah. you don't wise up we're expecting a parade, an attendee from Nebraska named Ginny told Rolling Stone. JFK is going to be here. Attendees like Ginny claim to see dead celebrities, including Robin Williams and Michael Jackson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when 12.30 came, the time when Kennedy was shot, they recited the Pledge of Allegiance. The crowd then lingered, some for more than an hour, eventually trickling away, a few vowing the Kennedy that Kennedy, known as John John, will appear at a concert later at night. Oh, he just he just skipped yeah. this one. I mean, he he's, was busy. Yeah, you know, I he's mean, coming he, back from the dead. We'll and, see him uh, at the after party. Yeah. You know, he'll be there hanging out. The size of Tuesday's gathering was concerning for Jared Holt, a resident fellow at the Atlantic's Council Digital Forensic Research Lab, who researches domestic extremism. For people to be in the state of mind where they are utterly and hopelessly detached from reality opens up very dangerous possibilities for what that individual may do going forward. Even though this event is ripe for mockery, and I think people should allow themselves to laugh, I think we need to reconcile with the fact that hundreds of people turn out for a celebrity who has been dead for two decades. What drove them out of the streets is a kind of representation of a broader sickness. And I like to call that sickness Republicanism. Yeah, right no, that, and it's, I think that's very accurate, what he said and how he said it. I do think, again, I come back to Trump. These people are willing to believe anything that this man says or farts or whatever. And I, it also, there's a... Uh, disconnect between John Kennedy and his policies and what he and I'm not saying he was a perfect president by any means yeah. he was a Cold War president there yeah. are a lot of things about John Kennedy's administration that apologize were, for John Kennedy yeah but the, but at the same time that Donald Trump and John Kennedy in their minds are what they're they're like the same they're two 
peas yeah. in a pod yeah. politically or or any temperamentally. Yeah, well, they were waiting for John's son, but still. Well, I know, yeah, but yeah. you associate Kennedy John and, Kennedy with yeah. John Kennedy, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's, and they went. They didn't go to. Uh, any other place but where Kennedy was assassinated, of all the as, if, <laughs> as if this was a continuum of yes. John Kennedy well, and, and that day in Dallas. And that speaks to another part of this whole thing with the Trump cult, and that is it's a death cult. Yeah. It is a death cult. It really is. Is I, it a death cult, Mike? I believe it to be a death cult, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah, it really, truly me. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, from NPR... <laughs> A lost hiker on the tallest peak in the Rockies in Colorado, Mount Elbert, didn't answer rescuers' phone calls because he thought the calls were coming from a phone solicitor. Lake County Search and Rescue is using the incident as a teaching moment. If you're overdue, according to your, to your itinerary, and you start getting repeated calls from an unknown number, please answer the phone. It may be a search and rescue team trying to confirm you're safe. Oh. Or it could be a con artist pretending to represent a collection agency. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.